All right, welcome back to Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Ginelli. Yes, we are back. We are back. We are back. A uh, bit, bit, bit of a hiatus, but, um, you know, because the last episode I recorded was on February 10th. We were finishing up the Mount Rushmore, and guess what? We don't have to do that anymore. Um, coinciding with my little vacation last week to um, the lockout. There really hasn't been anything for us to record about, but last Thursday, March the 10th, the lockout was lifted. The players and owners agreed to a new five-year deal on a collective bargaining agreement. The CBA has been ratified, and baseball is back. Teams are in camp, and we are going to have baseball on April the 7th. All right, so here's some of the biggest takeaways from that. So we're going to get opening day a week later than we were supposed to. March 31st was the scheduled opening day. It is now April 7th. We are still going to play 162 games. The, From what I'm hearing, the first series of the year that was canceled is going to be played as the final three games of the season tacked on at the end. And the missed games from the second series are going to be made up as double headers. Now, why is that significant? Because over the last couple of years, and this was more of a pandemic rule uh, than anything, was that double headers were seven innings. And that no longer will be the case. The double headers are back to their regular nine innings. And look, I just never thought a Major League Baseball game should end after seven. Never once. And I know there's all this issue about pace of play and, you know, how long these games are taking. And I get it. Games are going longer every single year. But to end a baseball game after seven innings is just not, not normal. And it's not the right thing to do. So we're going to have our nine-inning doubleheaders. And those will be made up, you know... Somewhere in the middle of the year, whenever uh, the teams meet again in like a second or a third series. So that's how those games are going to be made up. Again, we're playing a full 162-game season. And the, the that is the biggest win for the players and the owners because that's where you lose the fans. If you're starting to miss games and you're you're starting to shorten the season... It really turns the fans off, and you guys are the ones losing because, you know, we can't pay our money to go to games. And if we if we can't do that, it's going to turn us off as fans, and we're not going to want to watch. As ugly as the negotiations seemed to get, as late as, as long as it took, 99-day lockout, they got it done in a manner that's still going to allow us to play a full season. Let's put it this. Let's put it into perspective like this. Who remembers the 1990 lockout? Not many. There was a lockout prior to the 1990 season. In this situation as well, it delayed the season a week. It was extended by a couple of days, and you still played the full 162 games. What sticks out in our mind is 1994 to 1995. Why? Because the players walked out on August 11th and 
the the nineteen ninety four World Series was canceled. The nineteen ninety five season was delayed, and I believe a hundred and forty four games ended up being played that year. So, when games are impacted and games are lost and they're not made up, that's when it has the biggest impact. We're going to have a we're going to have a full season, and players are going to get their full salaries, and that's and that was the biggest point of contention here because we were going to get to a point on the calendar where it was going to be too late because you can't have the World Series in December, especially when teams like the the Mets, the um, you know Yankees, teams like those. The Boston Red Sox should be a pretty decent team this year. Seems like those have aspirations of playing deep into October this year. Well, if you're pushing those games into November and December, uh, you run into an issue weather-wise, and it's just not going to be feasible. So at some point, you have to cut the you have to cut the World Series off at like November 10th, the latest, like being Game Seven of the World Series, because you run into the weather issue in the Northeast and with some good teams. In cold weather cities, um, the Seattle Mariners look to be a very good team this year. They're not exactly playing in a warm city. Um, you know, it, it really, it really triggers an issue with, you know, getting these games in and playing in non-baseball weather. You know, and I get what everybody's saying. Oh, but it's cold in April, but it's not November cold, not December cold. You know, it might be chilly. You might have an off day where it's really cold. But, you know, for the most part, the weather in April is pretty solid. And you're really in you're really in the thick of things in the springtime. So that was the biggest win for every party. Because we needed all 162 games. So baseball is back. I'm excited. It's going to be a good year. I mean, you look at what the Toronto Blue Jays are doing. I mean, they have gone absolutely nuts as the biggest trade of the day was Matt Chapman from the Oakland Athletics to the Toronto Blue Jays for four prospects. Um, And then they were also in the mix on Jose Ramirez, the Cleveland Guardians third baseman. They were looking at playing... Uh, Jose Ramirez at second base. I mean, you look at that infield already with uh, Bobachet, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. You have Chapman now at third. I mean, they did lose Simeon in the offseason. He signed that uh, deal prior to the lockout with the Texas Rangers. And But, I mean, the, the Reds lineup, I mean, the Blue Jays lineup with uh, George Springer, um, Again, Guerrero, Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, they are. I mean, they they're in position to be one of the favorites in not just the AL East, but in the entire American League. So, and here's the deal, right here: Kevin Smith, Gunnar Hogland, Zach Logue, and Kirby Snead are the four prospects that Oakland get in return for um, Matt Chapman. Now. Speaking of the American League East, the New York Yankees late last night reached an agreement with first baseman Anthony Rizzo on a two-year $32 million deal, which takes them out of the running for Freddie Freeman, as does the Chapman trade. 
you know, because now Vladimir Guerrero is going to be playing first base on an everyday basis. And so, you know, where does Freddie Freeman land? But the Yankees signing Rizzo and the other night had the trade that uh, got them Josh Donaldson, Ben Rortvert, and um, um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who Kiner-Falefa was just traded like the day after the lockout. Was just traded to the uh, Twins from the Texas Rangers because the Rangers were trying to free up some room in the middle infield. Because remember, they also signed Corey Seager prior to the lockout. So Freddie Freeman's still the biggest name out there on the free agent market. Of course, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Nicholas Castellanos, and Michael Conforto. Also big names that are still. Uh, out there on the market. And, you know, if we get some breaking news, I will uh, certainly let you know. But, you know, I'm on Twitter right now. And, you know, right now, all quiet. I mean, we did just have a trade go down a little while ago. Not a significant one, but it continues a, a another fire sale. Not just the Oakland A's, because the Oakland A's are in a fire sale mode right now. They also traded Matt Olson to the Atlanta Braves yesterday which closed the door on Freddie Freeman returning to the Atlanta Braves. Um, he, Olsen also got an eight-year, $168 million deal that will keep him in Atlanta for the foreseeable future. And uh, Chris Bassett, who was traded to the New York Mets for two Met prospects, including JT, uh, J- JT Ginn. So... I mean, Oakland's moving pieces around. The Reds are moving pieces around. You saw uh, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez head to the Seattle Mariners. We saw today that um, this one just went down. Amir Garrett goes to the Royals for Mike Miner. Again, not one of the more significant moves, but the but the Reds continue to you know start, start you know continue to sell pieces off. And in in a CBA where we were trying to prevent tanking, and I know that there's going to be a draft lottery that is inserted next year, it really, you know, we're still seeing teams, you know, trade away prospect, trade away their big time players, and you know we're seeing these teams not being able to go for to keep their own guys. And that's still one of the biggest concerns uh, that this league has because Oakland has a really small payroll and it just got a lot smaller. Cincinnati had lower tier, I wouldn't say bottom of the barrel payroll, but now it's going to be significantly low. You know, another team like the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays are like the true outlier. Even though the A's have been pretty good for the most part, they, were, they had a bad year last year, and now they're starting to sell pieces off. The Rays are like the true outlier because they have that low payroll, but they continue to be one of the top teams in the American League. They won the American League East last year, and or two the last two years, and you know still find ways to be successful. But you know there's so there's so much payroll disparity in Major League Baseball, and then you have the New York Mets. Spending like crazy. I mean, prior to the lockout, they signed a Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Max Scherzer, 
and um, uh, one other guy that's one other guy that's escaping me. It'll come back to me at some point. But the you know the Mets had themselves uh, Eduardo Escobar. So the Met the Mets had themselves an off season of spending. They traded they traded for Chris Bassett. They signed Adam Adovino. Um, you know, guys are you know teams are spending. The Dodgers are clearly not afraid to spend. Now, one team that has seemed like they're a little frugal with their money, which you wouldn't expect, are the New York Yankees. And, you know, I'm not sure why Hal Steinbrenner has really come to this. But, you know, why are they not after Carlos Correa? Why are they not after Trevor Story? Now, you could say Oswald Pereira, uh, Peraza and... Um, Anthony uh, Anthony Volpe, you know, those guys are in the farm system and you don't want to really block them. I get it, but at the same time, you know, prospects are prospects. We don't know what they truly are going to be. You know, we could have hope that their ceiling is, you know, an all-star MVP type shortstop, but also at the same time, you know, they could be a, they could be every bit of a bust as as some other prospects. Carlos Correa is a known commodity, and sometimes you have to go for known commodity over somebody who, you know, we're really just guessing based on upside, and I think that's become an issue, and the Yankees have shown their limits, and of course this is on the this is on the. Uh, on the cusp of what what's going to happen in the offseason with uh, Aaron Judge potentially hitting free agency. Uh, if a deal is not agreed to, probably by the end of spring training, I would imagine that there's no, uh, there's no contract talk during the regular season. So, I mean, if the Yankees don't lock up Aaron Judge, you know, they go into a season knowing he's a free agent at the end of the year. And... I'm wondering if that's what they're just saving their money for. And if that's the case, okay, so be it. You know, Aaron Judge is the face of the New York Yankees, the next quote-unquote captain. But, you know, it, it's, it, it feels like the Yankees are being a little short-sighted here. It really does. All right, so other, other players who are on the move. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, who finished the season with the uh, Boston Red Sox after starting it with the Nationals, agreed to a four-year, $78 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. So he's back in the National League East. A two-year deal for Eddie Rosario. He remains with the Atlanta Braves. And Saya Suzuki, the top Japanese prospect, was posted and agrees with the Cubs on a five-year deal to come to the States and play in the Windy City. So those are some of the notable free agents that have made their move. And, you know, as we're starting to take take shape in spring training. The next thing I want to get to is what happened with Fernando Tatis Jr. And Fernando Tatis Jr., we all know, is one of the bright young stars, one of the top players in the game of baseball. And he gets involved in, apparently he got involved in a motorcycle accident and fractured his wrist in the offseason. 
Now, one of the biggest di- one of the biggest issues with the lockout is not being able to communicate with your team, with your employer. So, the San Diego Padres were unaware of any issues until he got to camp. And I guess he tried hiding it and he tried swinging a bat and felt discomfort. And then they, they, they took him in for an MRI and an x-ray and that's where it revealed the fractured wrist. But now this is going to cost him the first, probably the first three months of the season. And, you know, that really changes the outlook for the San Diego Padres. You know, this team's coming off one of the more disappointing seasons in recent memory for any team because they had all these high expectations with the guys they brought in. It, it all started when they got in, got Will Myers and Eric Hosmer. Then they signed Manny Machado. They call up Fernando Tatis. You know, and have so much young talent. They they spend on pitching. You know, guys like you uh, Darvish. They trade for Blake Snell. So a, a team that was clearly going for it, and the 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 goal for them was to at least get to the NLCS, maybe get to the World Series. You know, obviously they know do- knocking off the Dodgers is uh, no easy task in that division. And it ended up being the Giants who won the division last year by a single game by by winning and they had to win 107 last year over the the Dodgers 106. But you know, then you had the Padres who finished under 500. Uh, they let go of Jace Tingler in the offseason, bring in Bob Melvin to be the new manager. And the Padres are off to a rough start in 2022 now. And you're not going to have your superstar shortstop for the first half of the season. And that, that that sucks for the game of baseball, but it sucks for the Padres. They're trying to put together this World Series caliber team, and they're not even able to have everybody healthy on day two. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from there because, you know, while they're obviously not going to do that, you know, it's this is not something that the Padres would do. They have every right to void Fernando Tatis's contract. You know, a motor, being on a, riding a motorcycle is something you're not supposed to be doing. If you're locked into that kind of contract, like there are certain, like there are certain activities that you're just not allowed, you're not allowed to do if you're locked into a contract with a professional, professional sports team. Like look at Aaron, look at Aaron Boone. He had his contract voided by the Yankees after tearing his ACL in the 2003 offseason, going into 04, and that prompted them to trade for Alex Rodriguez. You know. Because they knew Boone was going to be out for the 4 season. And he violated his contract. He got hurt doing something else. And it, it's and it's not like he got hurt in like an at-home accident. No, he was playing athletics. He was playing sports that weren't his own sport. So, I mean, and, and this is why we don't see, this is why we don't see two-sport athletes anymore. As hard As hard as it is. And the financial asset that players have become because the money has become so great. So it's definitely an issue and you don't want to start off on a bad on, on a bad on a bad foot. So 
you know, Tatis is in an awkward spot. Bob Melvin's in an awkward spot. And, and here are the Padres, a team with a ton of expectations. And they're off to this. So, you know, we'll see what happens going from there. We'll see when he's able to get onto the field, when he's able to start doing uh, baseball activities. But again, that's probably not going to be until sometime in June. So we're waiting on we're waiting to see whether or not the A's make more trades. It looks like they may. Frankie Montas and Sean Maniah, two starting pitchers who are on the market right now. And it looks like the Yankees and A's are engaged in some kind of deal. Uh, nothing is close at the moment, but uh, Luke Voigt could be somebody who is traded because Anthony Rizzo is back in the fold. And while while I'm on that, uh, while I'm on that, I need to bring something up because this has a big impact on New York City. So now everybody knows what's going on with the vaccine mandate and the private sector that is not allowing Kyrie Irving to play home games at the Barclays Center for the Brooklyn Nets, and because he's unvaccinated. And look, he is choosing not to get vaccinated. And while I disagree with that, I I do strongly suggest that you do get vaccinated and, you know, that this all wouldn't be an issue. But guys are going to make their decisions and guys are going to choose not to get vaccinated. Well, that's now presented itself as an issue to the New York Mets and to the New York Yankees. Now, it is unclear as to how many on each team are unvaccinated. What we do know is yesterday Aaron Judge dodged the question in his in his post workout, you know, post practice uh, press conference yesterday, and really leads you to believe that he is one of the unvaccinated New York Yankees, and that's a significant blow to the team because not only is he is he out for eighty one games if this holds up. You know, look, it's also March 16th today. He could certainly change his mind by April 7th, you know, and get the vaccine a couple weeks ahead of time. But if he doesn't, and Mayor Eric Adams, the New York, the, the new New York City mayor who took over this past January, if Eric Adams decides to not lift the mandate, well, if you're unvaccinated and you're a New York Yankee, you can't play at home. And that presents another issue because who is in the Yankees division? The Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are not the, 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 the government in Canada, especially Prime Minister Trudeau and the other, local, the other government officials in the country of Canada are not allowing unvaccinated athletes to cross the border. So if you're on any American League team, they can't play on the road in Toronto. For the Yankees, that's nine. I think it might be ten, actually, because they do have a four-game series um, during one of their matchups. So that's ten games right there. Plus you have to factor in two at City Field between between the Mets and the Yankees. And so any and so at this point right now, any unvaccinated Yankee would stand to lose 93 games this year. 
and be only able to play in the other road games. That is very significant. And I don't know what the, the health officials and the, C, you know, the CDC and everybody with the local officials in New York, what they're going to do by April 7th, if anything's going to change. I have a hard time believing that it will because, you know, how are you going to tell all the workers who got fired recently, you know, okay, now we're lifting the mandate. I get it. At some point, you know, we can't live, we can't live with this mandate forever. I understand that. But it's a bad look when you just fired these workers and now you switch it around because some, a- some athletes – and look, I love sports as much as anybody. But you can't make, the, I mean, you can't make exemption for the athletes. As much as I want Kyrie Irving to play for the Nets, I wish he could play for the Nets because he got vaccinated. But if he chooses not to, that is well within his right. He understands the consequences, and so do the Yankees and the Mets. You know, and well, again, right now we don't know what the number is. You know, if there are a lot of, if there are a lot of Mets or Yankees who aren't vaccinated, you know, what effect is this going to? have on the roster and are these teams going to be allowed to have a taxi squad to replace the unvaccinated players so it's a whole domino that is going to have to sort itself out before it falls and I don't know if or when any of these mandates are going to be lifted so it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks. Again, for anybody who's not vaccinated in the major leagues, you have a couple of weeks to get the vaccine for, um, you know, before you be deemed ineligible. But again, the, the, the mandate rules in itself don't make a whole lot of sense. And I'm not 100% for these mandates. But, you know, I understand where Mayor Adams is coming from. Because the city was shut down for so long, businesses losing a lot of money. They want the businesses to get back to normal and start to, um, they, want, they want them to start to make their money again. But at the same time, you're allowing non-New York City residents. And, I, and this, and, I, and when I mean non-New York City residents, like an athlete from, Let's say, let's say he's on the, the Tampa Bay Rays, unvaccinated. He can come in to play at Yankee Stadium and play for the Rays in the Bronx, but a Yankee can't play on his home field. And even if you're a New York City resident or not, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of New York athletes are not New York City residents. They might live on Long Island. They might live in Connecticut. They might live in New Jersey. But that doesn't apply to them because if, 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 if it applied to them, Kyrie Irving would be on the basketball court. He's not – because Kyrie Irving's not a New York City resident. He's a New Jersey resident. So, so that loophole gets thrown out the window unless you're a visiting player. Like prior to injury, unvac- uh, and I don't, I don't know if he changed his, his mind since then, 
But it was known at the start of the season that Bradley Beal was one of the unvaccinated NBA players. And he was able to come into Madison Square Garden and play as a visitor. And, but not anybody who, you know, would have been on the Knicks. Now, the Knicks didn't have any issues. The Knicks are all vaccinated as a team. But, you know, you get my point. It's, it's just a rule that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you got that going on. And, you know, as we get closer towards the season, I mean, we're already pushing, I believe, three weeks from tomorrow is opening day. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where some of these free agents end up because time is time is ticking. And, you know, again, I, I just gave you all the all the players, all the, the six notable players who are still out there. Again, Freddie Freeman's still a free agent. You know, is this Dodgers or, you know, it seems like the Red Sox and Rays are in the, in the hunt right now for for Freddie Freeman. But the Rays don't spend a lot of money on their players, so I don't know how serious that is. And for um, the Red Sox, you have a couple of really good prospects that are... You know, you have Bobby Dahlbeck, who's been up in the big leagues, but you have prospects down in the minor leagues who, um, you know, who basically are, you know, waiting in the wings. And the Red Sox are not; they could pay Freddie Freeman, but I just don't see it. So it looks like Dodgers are nothing, but it's taken a real long time for this Freddie Freeman deal uh, to take shape. So Freddie's still out there. Again, Carlos Correa's still out there. Chris Bryant, Trevor Story, Nick Castellanos, and Michael Conforto. So it'll be real interesting to see, you know, where they go from here. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what else, you know, is on the docket for uh, 2022. So uh, some other news and notes. Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, joins the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. I gave you the Chapman and Rizzo information. And it, one of the things is, it, it's going to take some time, but getting used to the name Cleveland Guardians, yeah, that's going to be real weird. It really is. But, I, you know, I got, you know as, as, is, as anything, we'll, you know, as with anything, we'll get used to it and we'll adapt and we'll adjust to the new name, but it, it'll be surely interesting going forward what happens. So for this edition of Baseball Banter, uh, I'm your host, Justin Ginelli. We'll talk to you again, uh, maybe not over the weekend, but maybe a week from today. Hopefully some more news comes out. We didn't quite get any breaking news uh, during this half hour, but we will see. Uh, what happens going forward. So, th- so thank you and have a good night. You can catch us on all your, di- all your different podcast areas, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. You can catch us on Sportswire Radio. Not sure when Tom will play it, but I will definitely hand this off to him and allow him to play it whenever he would like. And it'll be on the SCOA Media app as well. So again, we'll talk to you probably next Wednesday. Have a good night.